Welcome home. This is Audio EXP for the 17th of October 2020. And the title of this episode is 33% More Tentacle. Dexter, the TV show about a dangerous killer who works with the police as a day job, is getting a new series. It's not a reboot, we're told, but a whole series to act as an alternative ending to the show. I've not seen it. One of the reasons that I've not made time to watch Dexter yet is because everyone tells me the finale is so terribly disappointing. As it happens, that's our weird stats for the week too. I have seven geeky shows that consistently rated more than 8 out of 10 on IMDb, but which dropped below that mark of excellence for the finale. Here we go, from best to worst. Westworld Season 3 finished with a rating of 7.3. That's just below their average of 8. The Walking Dead Season 6, Episode 16 dropped from above a 9 out of 10 to a mere 6.5. American Horror Story wasn't polling so strongly through its run, but the Season 6, Episode 10 final drops from a mere 6.5. Of course, both those shows, The Walking Dead and American Horror Story, were renewed and the following seasons did a lot better, according to IMDb readers. Then it's the show Power. Season 9, episode 15, drops from an incredibly high rating to a poor 5.4 out of 10. It's only now that we come to Dexter, which was doing so well, but finishes with an awful 4.6 out of 10. There are still two more to go. Game of Thrones is next, and IMDb was polling so well for it, all the way to season 8, episode 6, when it nosedives to 4.1 out of 10. Which show does worse? Well, it's the American version of House of Cards, which after flirting with scores over 9 out of 10, plummets to a depressing 2.5 out of 10 for season 6, episode 8. Did you watch any of those shows? Are they really that bad? Now, as you'll know, a lot of geek native stats come from competitions on the blog and there's one live right now. But, sorry to say, it's only open to listeners in the United Kingdom, because the shipping is prepaid. The game is from Together Studios, and that's Keith Barker's studio, the chap behind Eberron, and the game is Action Pups. So, if you can, check it out, and tell me which pet you would have if you went dungeoneering. Let's stick with stats for a bit, because the Raw 20 quarterly report is out. There are no prizes for guessing that Dungeons & Dragons 5 is out on top. In fact, its market share has gone up slightly. It was a good quarter for Roll20, no doubt boosted by the lockdowns and travel restrictions, and the virtual tabletop platform passed 100 million hours of roleplay on its system. Roll20 point out how well the Powered by the Apocalypse games are doing. They're not wrong. The system seems to be a common choice for many popular indie Kickstarters right now. I noticed Call of Cthulhu, though, which is holding firm in the third position in the popularity charts. Second place goes to homebrew or otherwise uncategorised games. 11.3% of all campaigns played in Roll20 use one edition of Call of Cthulhu or another. In Q2, that figure was 8.46%. In other words, one third more gamers are playing Call of Cthulhu on Roll20. That's 33% more tentacle or eldritch horror. Slightly confusingly, Roll20 stats say that Call of Cthulhu has increased by 10%. Now, we might both be right though. 
as the report also tracks games in accounts as well as campaigns played. And as we all know, that's not the same thing. So using Roll20's table for systems with the biggest growth in Q3, the top five are Tormenta, up by 26%, and that's a Brazilian fantasy RPG. Then there's Insane, up by 17%, which is a Japanese horror RPG. Lancer is up 14%, and that's a mud and mech indie game that managed to get itself nominated for an Emmy this year, only then to withdraw in protest. Star Trek Adventures is up 12%, which is part of Modifius Entertainment's scoring empire. And then Call of Cthulhu up 10% on the Roll20 count, and that's only if you bundle all the additions together. Now, there's one more bit of Roll20 news before we move on. Roll20 Con 2020 is next weekend, from the 23rd to the 25th, and the company will match donations of up to 50k to their charity partner. Sorry if stats and figures aren't your thing. I hope that wasn't too boring. Larian Studios, the company behind Baldur's Gate 3, doesn't like boring either. This week they scolded early access players, telling them off for creating boring D&D characters. In fact, Larian says they thought their analytics package was broken. They checked it and nope, it was working fine. However, Larian seems to have wanted early access players to have given their characters demon eyes, horns and tails. Well, that's not entirely how D&D works, is it, though? That sounds like a tiefling to me. Not a human, or a dwarf, or a half-orc, or an elf, or a gnome, or any of the other races I might want to play. Now, I've not played Baldur's Gate 3 yet, and I probably won't get the early access, but I absolutely will check it out later. A computer game that I have played since we last spoke, and which I can happily recommend, is Werewolf the Apocalypse, Heart of the Forest. The game is a choose-your-own-adventure storybook evolved to perfection. Character creation is entirely done on how you respond to the events in an unsettling dream. This then gives you some basic stats which kick in automatically to unlock or obscure other choices. However, it's not set in stone. Your character evolves as you react to the events in the dangerous Polish forest. I was given a copy to review, and as soon as I could, I bought several copies to give to friends. Another computer-ish game that I've played, but not yet completed, is the Starfinder Alexia game. It works really well too, but only the pilot episode is free. It's another choose-your-own-adventure, but with more overt dice-rolling and mechanics, and absolutely no reading. It's read to you, and you speak your decisions back. After the pilot episode, Amazon steps in with their Audible studio and helps Pazio out. It's become one of the most popular recipes on Alexa, and stars actors like Nathan Fillion and Laura Bailey. Each new episode isn't expensive, it's about $2, and you can subscribe to the whole season for about 10 bucks. As a supporter of the RPG industry, I hope audio games become a new way for fans to have fun, and for publishers to make money. In Audio XP60, we talked about how some big money appear to be eyeing up the tabletop hobby for some potentially big bets on digital. We talked about the Netflix of board games. That discussion is relevant this week, with a runaway success on Kickstarter. The project is the Infinity Game Table, and if you're interested in it, you should know that all the pledge tiers are limited in number and they're selling out, and no pledge tier is cheap. You'll find the links to it from the transcript, which is linked in the show notes. Arcade 1UP, the company behind the Infinity Table, has a store in the table that connects to the internet over Wi-Fi and they have deals in place with Asmodee and Hasbro. 
In theory, this table and the store means you can start your Netflix for Games project. Now, I don't know if Arcade1Up will be the first company to make it happen. There are other candidates. But the more companies you try, the more likely it is that one will succeed. The great attraction for a subscription model for publishers is a reoccurring and predictable revenue. Customers are worth more. Of course, though, you don't need to have an interactive table with Wi-Fi to have a subscription model. This month, Atlas Games announced a subscription to Feng Chung 2. That's their Hong Kong cinematic action RPG about time travellers. And that's delivered via PDF. There's the flip side to consider as well. What about the good old book? Well, I don't think they're going anywhere. Tabletop gamers are often collectors or people who want to invest in a thing of beauty. It's never a surprise to see that a Kickstarter with a collector's edition tier often do more business there than with their regular hardback. Cubicle 7 this week showed off their collector's edition of Soulbound. A file leather cover, gold-edged pages and a whole bundle in an impressive box. So with subscriptions, as a publisher, you can get regular but relatively small payments from customers. The other approach, the investment approach, is to produce books of beauty and charge an appropriate premium for them. And both work for me. Now, those are two money options, but there are also free games. And I have two freebies to highlight this week. First up is Zadmar Games' Samhain Slaughter. The game is a standalone Halloween treat for the Tricube Tail system. Now, that's not a system I know at all, but I appreciated the chance to check out Zadmar's style with the freebie. And next up is Handyworks A-State, and nicely done. This was an adventure that the Scottish company ran at Albicon, which is now free at Drive-Thru RPG. A-State is a mature RPG about the city, which you can never leave. And A-State 2 is in the works, and nicely done is part of the effort to promote that. A-State 2 will be converting to the Forged in the Dark system, so you need a copy of Blades in the Dark or a similar RPG to play the adventure. However, Nicely Done is an excellent introduction to the setting and a reminder of the fantastic art that comes out of handiwork. This week I also reviewed Ex Novo from Shark Bomb. It's a novel game, one you can play by yourself or with friends. Well, that's if a game is the right term to use. In Ex Novo you are a guardian spirit and you're helping to found and then forge a settlement to turn it into a village or a town. If you follow the Ex Novo system, you'll end up with a map of the village and the history to it. I think it's a way to gamify your world building, and therefore of interest to any gaming group interested in getting into the collaborative campaign creation, or for groups already doing it. Now, leaving guardian spirits behind in early age settlements, we can soon go into space with Osprey and Joseph A. McCulloch. The popular skirmish game, Frostgrave, is getting a sci-fi spin-off called Stargrave. Now, lastly, coming back to Earth for this, the active gaming community, news site and video production company on Tabletop announced this week that it was being bought by one of Europe's largest indie retailers, Wayland Games. So congratulations to Warren Lloyd and team. And on that note, let's call it a wrap. Keep safe and stay out of melee range. I'll see you next week.